friends. May the fourth be with you. Unless you're watching this on Revenge of the Fifth. Oh, dude. Outstanding. I love that. Did you that. not know that one? Maybe not. Oh. It's great. But then again, it is Cinco de Mayo that day. But Revenge of the Fifth is what I always tell people. Because they, oh, I forgot to tell you uh, May the 4th. And I'm like, oh, you can still give me Revenge of the 5th. Uh-huh. Well, as you know, the Cardinals just announced their Star Wars Day for June they did, 28th. They did not. They announced it many, many, many days ago. But today is the day I always buy the tickets because they have a fantastic special. They're only $15 and you get the hat. Oh, wow. Well, they I need some right the now. I once had a dark <laughs> mall watch where the head flipped up. I loved yeah. that. It was so it was terrible watch to wear, but I loved it. And I don't know where it is, but that voice you hear is frequent guest of the show. Chris Clark. Oh, yeah. Hi, Chris Clark from Cinema St. Louis. He's going to talk about Q Fest 2023 around minute 34 Guardians of the Galaxy. Volume three. Lynn saw it. I will see it soon around minute 46. The White House Plumbers on HBO Max. And then around minute 48, we'll talk about the writer's strike. And then around minute 54, the theater roundup. Hey, we love talking all things movies with you. And I just want to say it's so exciting to go to the High Point Theater now and know that uh, you guys at Cinema St. Louis are in charge of this fantastic historic theater and it's being put to such great use including the q fest which starts today may 4th and runs through may 10th so bravo thank you yeah it's better than charles in charge um being cinema <laughs> in charge and just you know magical path to get here um the loss you know we've talked about this before in code the loss of our other longtime venue we shall not say its name um which really put a big hole in our in our you know, where we lived because we hadn't been in this space for a long time because it was hard for them as single, you know, one and a quarter, you know, screen owner operators to get out of line for 11 days in the fall with all the big movies. And they just hadn't done rentals really of any kind for a number of years. And it wasn't just us. They just stopped doing it. So I wandered in January 2022 and talked to Diana and talking about coming back or even for a week or weekend, just, you know, whatever we can fit in. She said, yeah, that's great. We love to do more events. Putting on my coat, hey, if you ever decide you want to sell the place, please let us know. Well, I didn't know that they wanted to. And we did. We bought it. So here we are. Um, it's been so much work um, having to <laughs> pop forward and make popcorn and do soda. We, we just hired support staff like two weeks ago. Uh, we hadn't gotten there yet. We were just trying to you know figure everything out. But it's been great. Um, you know, uh, look at my smile. I mean, come on. We own this <laughs> most beautiful, one of the greatest theaters in town. Um, on this and looking over Forest Park, I can, you know, almost see the arch from the upstairs windows. Um, I live close to here. Um, it, you know, the two two theaters, uh, everything about it is just fantastic. We've had great runs of things, repertory screenings and first run things. Um, arguably, maybe you'll agree uh, that there's sort of a death and dearth of art house availability in town these days. Yes. Um, Ant-Man, Ant-Man, I still can't get over that shit. Um, but <laughs> we're trying to put it back as much as we can amidst doing our own events and rentals and special things. We've done book launches. Um, we want to do everything. We want to be, you know, 
everything we can for the community and, and stay afloat and and do what we can. And it's hard. Um, we still need a gazillion more dollars, but you know, we'll get there. Um, well, it's we've... a worthy cause and yeah. uh, it's just delightful no. because you had a big Oscar party that was sold out. And yes. how fun is that? And then um, I've been to screenings there and KTRS, my good pal, Jennifer Bloom, hosted a screening for book club the other day and all these middle-aged ladies came and had a ball and that was their first introduction many of them to the high point oh i mean just people that live in the neighborhood walk here on friday or saturday because it's what they do they don't even care what's playing so that's built in we had people come to the carol king documentary last weekend they just saw it on the billboard they had no idea we were here or what was going on. They just wanted to see that show. We people driving from Columbia. So we're expanding a base that in 30 years, we never even had some of this base. So it's, it's fantastic. And some people didn't, don't even know that there's been a change of ownership. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's so seamless. Cause we're good. And the, but the popcorn's the same. That's the only thing besides enjoying the cinematic arts. People are like, is the popcorn the same? <laughs> Rest assured, ma'am. It is okay, sir. Calm down. You, you, yes, yes you can as much butter as you want. And, and the do. ambience is the same. And yeah. uh, it's, the but it's just different. The posters are different. There are posters now, and I got to hang them all up, uh, which was great fun, you know, decorating the place a little bit, but it didn't need anything. It was kind of, you know, even it's 101 years old, it was plug and play and pristine and great sound and great picture. And all the stuff that we've done, which I've forgotten some of it already, but QFest. <laughs> this year is our first cinema st louis annual event that we're presenting in our new forever home and it's so nice to have a location and it's just kismet because uh of, of everything that happened to you not only with the theater we shall not name but <laughs> also your longtime home and uh so oh, yes. it's just, yes. it's just yes. we for both you know, of them at the same time our office was in a building that everyone got kicked out of um, at the end of April and we would have been one of those. So we were halfway out the door and had an address and we're halfway packed and moved um, when they kicked everybody out. So, uh, yeah. So I'm done with you, Grand Center. I'll be back someday, but no time soon. <laughs> Not today. Right. So oh, I'm there. looking at, I think, uh, well, I'm sure you have very strong feelings about this, but this is a perfect time in our contemporary society to be highlighting LGBTQ plus films because of all the conversations going on and all the craziness. And uh, you, I'm sure have a lot to say about that, but what you started QFest how many years ago? I was part of a consortium, um, people, some community organizers, a, a ragtag bunch of, um, of community organizers who wanted a film festival to return. There had been one in the past and it sort of imploded in 1999, its last great year. I started my day job in 2000. Uh, so this was, I guess, 2007. Uh, these people approached me and said, will you help us put this together? I said, sure. Um, and we did. And it was rough going first couple of years with very little money. Um, and then, you know, what happens with volunteer organizations, people, wander away, they get other jobs, uh, get, you know, things stop working. 
So I was one of the last people standing and my day job was producing film festivals. So <laughs> in agreement with the remaining consortium members, just sort of slid the remaining chips uh, under the umbrella of Cinema Singles and then had a permanent home um, here. Uh, and this poor event has been in, I lost track of how many venues it has been in in 16 years. I think seven or eight potentially, including that other theater. We've been here before. We've been in the back lot before. We were at Webster, we were at Missouri History Museum, we were all over the place. So it was sort of a little gypsy event. But now, finally, at long last, you know, in 33 years of Cinema St. Louis, we didn't have a permanent space. We had to rent or borrow everything. So having this permanence um, at, on this, we're not the highest literal point elevation in St. Louis, but we're at this, you know, at this high point looking over the park and looking over the city. You know, I want to stand tall with my community and film and present these stories of empowerment, despite whatever other people may think. Well, it is a high point. Yes, it is. It is. Um, I'm not a great activist, but I do what I can with what I do. Well, I'm excited because I want to see Jimmy in Saigon because that looks, that's getting a lot of buzz. And when is that going to be shown Sunday afternoon at, well, I'll look at my handy program that I have right here, the list <laughs> it, but I happen to have one right next to I think four o'clock. Let me verify here. Um, the director, it will be here. Um, 4.15. I was, okay. I was, a bit. so we got you there a little early. No harm done. More time for popcorn. Um, okay. Yeah. It, it's really is a fascinating story about looking for answers about his brother's mysterious death in Vietnam in the mid seventies. Well, this is, 50 years later, and he's trying to put this together, um, his probably gay brother. And, you know, that's sort of illuminated in the story that's you know more than likely true. Uh, but what a, you know, wild search for, for answers in a, in a foreign land uh, with very little connectivity, you know, to himself at that point. Um, but it's a magnificently made film, too, with little bits of animation and, you're not expecting how deep and, and, and enriching it is um, until you kind of dig into it. So good pick there, Lynn. Oh, well, good. Well, because, Chris, every, uh, every, yeah. Oh, go oh, ahead. I was just going to say Peter McDowell, the director is from Champaign, Illinois. Yes. So not really, you know, kindred cities, not like Carbon or anything, but you know what? Close enough. So he has friends and family in the region. So his two sisters who are also in the film, um, also, Jimmy's sisters, you know, um, they're all family, will be here. Uh, so there is some family, um, some loose connectivity uh, to to the area. Uh, and that's important, I think, to this event, which is a little bit smaller than past editions. There's only 11 or 12 programs. And that was deliberate. We didn't want to, in past editions of all of our events, we had rented very expensive real estate. And we were compelled to cram in stuff early and late. And, you know, like a fine wine, it didn't really give room to breathe. And, you know, shorts filmmakers in town were always kind of grumble that, you know, we were just kind of packing them in, packing them out. We didn't really have Q&As and stuff. But I want to grant more time for community and conversation and introductions. And, you know, I love a microphone. So, you know, even in our general shows here, I want us to get into the habit whenever possible of, hey, somebody just say something, you know, thank you. We're, we're on the theater. You know, hope you come back. Here's what's coming up. You know, do something. Um, engage, you know, with the audiences, but, but yeah, this is my baby and, uh, you know, it'll be fun to be here in this space. Carl. 
Well, since you, this is your baby, every year you say that there is a film that you are looking forward to seeing. And what is that baby this year? Wow. They're all my little children, as you know. <laughs> you don't love any one more than the other, but you do have a favorite. The late part of uh, eight years of our 16 years um, ago, I think we started our Q Classic program, which is a sometimes a restoration, but an older um, LGBTQ film that is of you know some note or importance in film history or queer film history. Uh, I think we started off with the watermelon woman uh, and then did things like the boys in the band, uh, other stuff like that. Uh, just sort of kind of you know, skipping around, um, you know, one for the boys, one for the girls, one for <laughs> everybody else, you know, over, over time and, uh, <clears throat> and things that people would want to see again and things that are, you know, a younger audience, or maybe they should see for the first time. Uh, on the big screen. Which like a, version of Boys in the Band? The original or the remake? The original. Okay. The original. Yeah. The remake, which was quite fine, but I, you know, I wanted to show the original because a lot of people hadn't had no because it was William Friedkin. Mm-hmm. And it was groundbreaking. Who, who, this who was went right, on to do the Exorcist? I this was right before or right after the Exorcist and then something else equally violent and crazy in between. Well, this is a very I don't know if you've ever seen Boys in the Band. Uh, the player, mm -hmm. the film. It's a dark story uh, uh, on some levels. Uh, these people are, you know, kind of vicious to each other um, in some ways, but they're friends. Uh, so it's really a tightly written, you know, microscope on, you know, I got it. The, uh, the dynamics, you know, I know all those people. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, so this year's um, <clears throat> legendary queer director, Greg Araki, uh, who's, uh, he was part of the the new queer film movement out of Sundance in the nineties. Um, Poison was our screen from Todd Haynes was uh, last year's. Uh, and he, Greg Araki was part of that early, you know, reemergence uh, of, of strong, you know, queer filmmakers. Um, so the doom generation has a 4k restoration from strand releasing and just seemed like the best possible fit. Um, this year, which was his third film, um, but, you know, groundbreaking at the time, this, you know, crazy, frenetic punk aesthetic, uh, Rose McGowan uh, and James Duvall, and uh, just really kind of set the tone for a lot of films to come, caper films, road films, you know, whatever you want to call um, out of it. So that one's, um, I'm pretty excited about, you know, having that here. Um, I've never seen it on a screen, I don't think. Ever. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I I saw it I saw it on VHS. Yeah, so you know that's its age and that's its legacy, um, but you know mixed across like the film tonight, uh, the Blue Caftan. Um, well, today is Thursday uh, for you people that don't know. We'll we'll talk back and forth in time. Uh, <clears throat> is from Morocco and it's just a beautiful, sensual, just visceral story of you know they're in this shop where they make so cap hands by hand and it's a very deliberate process so that the textures and they're in this you know dimly lit intimate space and they go outside with this bustling world on this you know uh, market area so the cinematography is stunning and this the nuance of the filmmaking so all these voices are from you know all over the world presented here on the high point here at mccausland and skinker 
you have Penelope Cruz in Le, Le Menista. Is Le Menista. that? Yes. Um, and then, it, yeah. And it is, <clears throat> it, it's not a, you know, it doesn't really pop out uh, to people until they read into the description a little bit, but it is a period piece. It's set in the early 70s um, in Italy. So she, her character is a Spanish immigre to Italy um, who gets married and has children. And her eldest child um, was born female, but you know, believes in their heart and soul that they are truly a boy. And what an odd, you know, it, you, you would think that this is a contemporary story happening in the 2020s. But what an interesting choice to place it back in a very Catholic, somewhat conservative country this particular tale. So it's just, it's riveting. Um, but the family dynamics are there, you know, struggles of, you know, understanding and acceptance and, you know, family is family and, you know, telling people screaming at each other. Uh, it, it's really a, a, quite a story, but set in the, you know, 70s, the clothes and the sounds and the music. So, you know, these are great films. They're not just for the LGBTQ plus community. I looked for uh, my, you know, hard mandate is to, celebrate art house films in this space. So I've accomplished, I think you tell me both hmm. with a bunch of these films, including uh, uh, doom generation uh, that would count as art house cinema. Um, yes. okay. Absolutely. Uh, and a bunch of other things too. So another hey, film yeah, that's yeah. getting a lot of buzz is Monica, which stars Patricia Clarkson and yeah. uh, is currently uh, coming out in theaters because I got a request to uh, view it. So it's, um, it's, tell us about Monica. The story, you know, a, a woman comes home to help take care of her um, aging and ailing mother who's having some, uh, mental health deficiencies, I think Alzheimer's. Plug and play any set of characters into that male, female, or thing, but but this character, the lead, uh, is a transgender woman. So coming back after being away for a long time, that adds another layer of, you know, she left for a reason. Uh, she wasn't very well accepted, but she's doing her family duty, uh, which is an honorable, extremely difficult, painful thing to do, you know, watching your parent slip away and taking care of them like they're a little babby. Um, but coming home after being trying to forget all this pain that this place and person caused them. This person comes home to do their family duty. Um, and it's by Trace Lizette, who was uh, a, not one of the lead characters, but a, but an important supporting character in Transparent. And the, you know, I always love um, Ms. Patricia Clarkson is just, she can be anything and anybody. I, I just adore watching her, her craft. So she plays the mother and, you know, the dynamics of the, you know, the interplay, um, you know, does she recognize her? Does she not? Um, but it's just beautiful and heartfelt in a range of a gazillion emotions that told by a face and a look, uh, a touch. Um, it, it's a powerful film. And I think it's really, really beautiful. And I'm so pleased to be able to have it here. Well, that's great. Well, you, you touched. Oh, uh, go ahead, Carl. Well, I was going to say you touched on this earlier that the shorts are back, but once again, you're doing the shorts for free this year, which you've done in the past. We've done in the past. We started this, hey, because I'm a clever punster, we did this gay at forward program 
where, you know, we get people to donate a little bit extra. I've got a lot of generous friends who help support this tiny event that we do. So we want to give something back to the community just to, you know, promote the event, to promote the organization, promote the films, to allow people with um, different means uh, to be able to see shows because, you know, things aren't cheap, Um, but anyone can go. Uh, So we get a little bit of underwriting for it uh, to do so. So we're happy to give things back. And this year, um, both short subject programs are free to the public. Uh, Between the two, there are 15 films. Um, One's at one o'clock on Saturday and one's at one o'clock on Sunday. Uh, There are guests attending with both shows. Uh, Go ahead. Although it is free, you still have to get tickets. So they, you know, it's going to, if it sells out, you can't just yeah, show up. That's there's only so many chairs, ladies right. and gentlemen, and and everyone and everybody else. Um, but that the four hundred is a lot, so you're pretty good chance you're going to see. It. Yeah, and it's not hard. Just say, hey, I want to see the show, and they'll say, okay, ding, you have a ticket. You're not going <laughs> to There's nothing to get. So um, you can go online and order anything right now um, if you want. But if you just show up, by goodness, we'll let you in. Hopefully, you'll buy some popcorn or soda. Um, <laughs> And one thing that happened organically this year that I'm really, really kind of pleased about, and I wish I could say I'm such a great programmer, I planned it in advance, but, you know, maybe people will think I did anyway. But um, Queer Shorts 1 on Saturday is, I don't want to use the term family friendly, but it is adolescent and teen friendly. Um, All six films are about and starring youth. Um, and not, not a sexual or salacious way in any, any means there's, you know, no drugs or anything, you know, too off-putting. So, um, you know, any, you know, of, of a certain age and up certainly would be welcome. And I hope some families will bring their, um, out or questioning or curious youth for an empowering set of films about people, their own age and color who are going through some of the same things they are. Um, I, I would like to think it's helpful. I would like to think that too, especially in this day and age. And uh, we all remember high school years where, uh, uh, well, in my day, people couldn't really be open about it. And, uh, you know, there's more conversation now, but just to know that you're not alone is a wonderful thing. And there's, you know, there's a comfort in community and that's really great that you did that. So there's a lot of different type of programs. So it's good that you're using different voices. And, yes. uh, uh, you know, it's, it's if I encourage everybody to go look at the list of films, you can find something that would be appealing. And we have 26 films from nine countries and there's eight narrative features and two documentary features. And Jimmy and Saigon is only 90 minutes. And the, the other one is only 73 minutes. So do your, and, listener, do your listeners like factoids? Sure. Yes. Here's a factoid. Half, a full half of the 26 films were directed by women or non-binary filmmakers. Wow. So take that, the man. <laughs> well, Yay, the man. I mean, boo yeah. the man. And again, I did, you know, it wasn't, you know, of course I strive towards that and we strive towards, you know, more inclusivity and equity in everything we do. 
And it, you know, these are the not I didn't force things in just to make a number. Um, these are the films that earn their spot. And, you know, when I pull back at the end, I, oh, that show looks good that way. And wow, look at that number. When I, you know, I, I couldn't believe it when I finally got through to the end. Um, I a couple I didn't, you know, I didn't realize because I was hadn't fully researched before I made, you know, gotten to that spot. So but what a great thing to be able to say. Right. Right. And then uh, you have uh, a celebrity of sorts, Kendall Gender, who is yes. a star from Canada's Drag Race. Uh, yes. They're in the movie Stay. And then we have a Chicago uh, filmmaker who's non-binary, Moon Abbott. With Moon their Abbott is coming to town tomorrow. Oh. Uh, Moon will be here with their um, great short rebound. Um, and then on Sunday... Um, another happy little accident in my charmed life, um, Carl and Lynn, um, one short that we're doing that's weirdly gotten more press than I have. And I'm kind of jealous of it <laughs> was, um, <clears throat> directed by, uh, a woman. And then I realized after the fact that they worked for ragtag and true false in Columbia. I knew the film was from Columbia, but I didn't know they literally worked for a, one of our cousin, you know, organizations, um, so they're bringing a big gang of people from Columbia up and the star of the film. I did know this before I watched it. The star of the film was one of our former volunteers for QFest oh, wow. and uh, and the International Film Festival. So I knew the the actress uh, who's transgender also. Her name is Dakota. Um, so it was, I was hoping I would like it. And then I really did. And it justified on the spot. And then I found out all these other you know connections to. Um, you know, the region and, you know, St. Louis and Columbia, uh, which just made it great. So there are a bunch of people are coming up for that, too. So both Moon and Leanne and Dakota will be here on Sunday. Excellent. Yeah. Good. That makes you happy because it's the happy accidents that make things like this that you're already passionate about make it that much better. Yeah. And, you know, could I have insisted? Well, I had to argue my way into a little bit, you know, because we have a new mortgage. Um, so I had to, I had to petition my coworkers to allow, you know, uh, keep this free program thing going on. And a lot of people are claiming tickets, uh, for the show. Um, could we have gotten $15 a piece for all those people that wanted to come? Eh, maybe, maybe not, but I want people to come to the theater and to the show and be comfortable and not worry about anything other than getting here. There are such things as goodwill, you know, goodwill hunting. And there's good popcorn. There is. Yeah, so I try to erase. I try to erase a little bit of the terrible things I've done over time. <laughs> you know, I try to even it out the best I can. I'm trying to push my way a little further back up, but you know, I do what I can. <laughs> so do you? And you have uh, you have uh, other snacks as well. We've got good and, good yeah. amount of candy. you know we don't have, we don't have food, um, but what we do have the High Point Drive-in right down mm -hmm. the street, right and there. We, the ancient Chinese Express is eh, over there too. Um, it's there. I used to go there after. I used to go there when it was an ice creamery. It was Miss Hollings. Mm. When I went to high school down the street, which is not a high school anymore, but I used to go. That's where I used to take the McCausland Delore bus, and we used to the used to go get water from the Cheshire, and then get ice cream for the ride home at Miss Hullings. And then it turned into a Chinese restaurant and everything is what it is now. 
Things and change. I hear, Things I hear there's a good uh, happy hour at Bas Basso. Yeah, Basso, you know, I forget that it's there. Um, but yeah, the, <laughs> it's great. Um, and we have used it for events before. Um, and Fox and Hounds is right there. Um, Legendary. At Basso. Basso used to be, of course, the the high point, but the, it, that was it was the high point rooftop or whatever they called it. No. I saw John Edwards. No, 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 no. It was no? no, it's it's the building right next to us. It was the high point lounge, was the upper floor of the the now par lounge. Um the upstairs, oh, okay. they had a fire a number of years ago and they never repaired it. So the upstairs right. kind of boarded off, but the the mysterious par lounge, I don't even know where the hell they're open. I <laughs> I never see anyone go in or out of there. But I see drinks and cigarettes outside and some weird looking guy was hosing off their mats on Sundays. But but apparently it's a bar. Um, but I, yeah, I've been to shows there. I remember that. Yeah. But yeah, there I was saw, a, I saw John Entwistle there. There was a, a, a bar on that end where Starbucks is and that had a downstairs that was a yes. wild place where people go drinking. It was three o'clock when bars would close. People would go there and drink till like two or three in the morning. Um, because it was it was, a, it was part of the hotel. Yeah, it was a drunk haven. It was I. Yeah, I spent too much time there. I I would I would not like to admit anything that happened there. Eh. It's the past, man. Yeah, the it past, didn't happen. It's a Starbucks now. <laughs> it's a Starbucks. Yep. Well, Chris, thank you very much. And you can go and see everything at the website. Uh, CinemaStLouis.org. Q Fest. I'm sorry, cinema st. Louis.org slash Q Fest. Yes. And check out their uh weekend programming. You can always uh, sign up for cinemas Cinescoop. Yeah, so, I get it every week. Yeah, so do I. The weekly newsletter that fills you in. And uh the 50th anniversary program's going on, and the year is 1973. Coming up, yeah, our golden anniversaries. Are you a Bond fan, fan Carl? I am. I've seen them all, and actually, I own them all. Even though you don't own cinema anymore, but yeah. I have. I I even have a copy of uh, Never Say Never Again and uh, No Time to Die. Um, you're on the right track. Do you know what was one of well, the well? 1970, 1973 would be bomb, bomb, bomb. Live and let die. Bah. Live and let die. The the New Orleans based James Bond film with Roger Moore, Jane Seymour, bah. and Yafet Kodo. Yafet Kodo. Yes. So I'm excited about that. We're showing Grease later this summer in conjunction with the High Point Drive-In. Um, we've got we're doing a real late series. We got all kinds of stuff coming up. Oh, and um, in the little theater uh, this weekend, and then the big theater for the rest of May is our anime. Um, Twelve. Yes. Anime classics from, you know, over the years, um, three films over the next four weekends. Great stuff. I'm not allowed to go because my child told me you cannot go see this without me. And I said, but you're in Chicago. And she said, you're not allowed to see this without me. All of them or just some of them. I think there should be some middle ground, Carl. You're the there, parent. there, there is dispensation and there can be, there are lots of things that her parents do that, she knows nothing about so fair enough all right we'll, we'll see you cowboy be back <laughs> well thank you chris it's always a pleasure to have you on and we look forward to hearing about the st louis filmmaker showcase this summer and yeah. the st louis international film festival in the fall and uh 
moving on onward and upward. Yes. Chris, one last thing. What have you seen recently that uh, you recommend to people? Oh, Oh, all right. I'm going to (laughs) go dark a little bit. Um, I've only seen one episode, but I am jaw dropped. I can't wait to get back to dead ringers starring Rachel Vines on Amazon prime is a series and oh, it's based, it's right. based on the movie, but gender switched and they, they retain the names. It's still Beverly and Elliot mantle. And you know, the creepy greatness of the original, I mean, she picks right up and they, the Elliot is insane. They both are, but it is, I can't wait to dig more. And it's gross. It's already super gross. Um, but from a feminist perspective, um, <laughs> the, origi- the original, yeah. I like how you said creepy. Um, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, super creepy, the original one with Jeremy Irons is so unsettling. David yes. Cronenberg directed it. So oh, I can imagine. Yep. Girls are this- gross too, Carl. <laughs> oh, boys are dumb and they smell funny. Girls yeah. are mean. <laughs> oh, you you've seen you ain't seen nothing yet. So this is going to be darker. I think it's going to be darker than the original. I'm going to say it right there. All right, I got to go. Well, love your office. See you Thank later. Fairly, fairly well. All right, Lynn, tell me about the movie that I'm going to see tomorrow. Yes, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is going to be the blockbuster kickoff to the summer. It's the third installment of those wacky misfits in space. And uh, the, I'll start with the good. Uh, they, the, the, the band of five are groovy. They have heart. They have terrific banter. It's a comic uh uh, it, the interplay between them, especially Mantis, Palm, Clementine, and mm. Dave Batista as Drax the Destroyer. They have a very comic dynamic that I enjoy. The um, the So there's a lot of heart in this one, which sometimes it's just a very flippant type of script from our uh, St. Louis his own James Gunn who is back for three writer and director and his writing partners again I think that uh, the holiday special has some fun nods to it you have to stay for the credits and Rocket has his origin story which is voiced by Bradley Cooper Tom Clemente is Mantis and Dave Bautista is the uh, kind of dense Hulk Drax. Drax, the gentle giant. Vin Diesel's back as the voice of Groot. Karen Gillan is Nebula. Uh, and there's Zoe Saldana as Gamora, but not the original Gamora. So that's a little confusing. And because of our rules about not spoiling anything i'm not gonna say anymore um there's some cameos not too many but we have new characters and the biggest one is shikwudi iwuji 
He is okay. a Nigerian actor. He was in John Wick 2. Um, he is called the High Evolutionary. And he is a maniacal mad scientist, of course, who wants to rule the world and is doing experiments on animals and people. And it's the creatures are, are grotesque. And some of it, I think, is very frightening for children. I'm just going to say this. And I don't know what is wrong with the MPAA because they gave this a PG-13 and that's outrageous because I think it the, should be. yes, it should be an R because of the eugenics and the the genocide uh, plot parts. You know, this is this is a, a complicated film. Uh, on the bad part, I think it's too much, too many people, too long, two hours thirty minutes too many plot points we have a lot going on it's very busy we have rocket's origin story we have the mad scientist high evolutionary and his merry band of pranksters and evilness and then we have uh the the ba the band of five we have that. And there's just a lot going on here. Sean Gunn is back as Craglin. Adam Warlock is played by Will Poulter. That is a whole story that I know nothing about because I never read the comics. So Will Poulter is this gold-skinned Adam Warlock who kicks off the movie. And his mother is played by Elizabeth Debicki. Yes. Well, they, they tease that at the end of volume two. Right. But if you are not a reader of the comics, you don't know. And Maria uh, Bakalova from the Borat sequel is yeah. voicing Cosmo the space dog. So okay. it still has that jaunty uh, kind of quirkiness that the, the Guardian films are known for. It has terrific needle drops. It's very loud. Uh, see, I don't know about that. The other ones were very, uh, very classic Rocky. This is more, I mean, they, they have Radiohead, they have Space Hog, they have Flaming Lips. This is a little more, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Alternative rock than it right. was. Because X is in it, the Mowgli's, Florence and the Machine. Yes. So it's Dog Days Are Over is very prominent. And uh, but there's Beastie Boys. There's yeah. Bruce Springsteen, the final song over the credits. You've got to stay for the credits. There's a nod to the holiday special, which is kind of fun. And okay. uh, I enjoyed that uh, with Kevin Bacon. And, but you, uh, you know, but you you say you you're you're wishy washy on this. I am. You think it should be rated R? Yes. I think it should be rated R. It's a mixed bag. It's very uneven. I liked the emotion. It, it got a little heart tugging. I will say that. But it's not as fresh as the other. Well, the original was so fresh. Second one, more kitschy. This well, the second one, one just advances a lot of 
there were a lot of things that were left over from Infinity War and Endgame that they had to ad- address at the very beginning of the movie. And because the whole dynamic had changed and throwing uh, a separate entity without having there were there were a lot of things that needed to be answered for after the end of Endgame that were saddled onto volume two. Yeah. Well, there's there's the usual assortment of hideous creatures. There's a lot of goo. There's excessive uh, visual effects. There's chunks of flying concrete. There's a lot of explosions. Bigger's better. These kind of movies. I personally am having that superhero fatigue that we're hearing about. Because let's face it, Black Adam, Shazam sequel, the Ant-Man sequel did not do so well at the box office. But this one has such quirky appeal that it'll it'll just make probably the the most money of all of them is it an ending without uh, giving anything away since they're not going to be in another there's not going to be another guardians movie is this a fitting ending for these characters well for some of them let's put it like that they um they do uh, tell you at the end, uh, some uh, they reveal something which you know we're not supposed to share, and oh, no. uh, but it'll be out all over the internet because everything. Which is, is why I'm seeing it tomorrow. Right, but uh, for this band of characters, this is it. James Gunn is moving on to the DC universe. His first movie, Superman Legacy. He and Peter Safran are taking charge of the DC universe. This is his last Marvel movie for right now. And I think uh, some people are raving about this. Like it's the best one yet. And then others like me are like, "Mm, it's kind of a mixed bag. Well, and and then there's also Max Boise, who has always hated the Guardians of the Galaxy movies and says it's the worst thing ever well i wouldn't you don't agree no i wouldn't go that far it is scarier than uh than i think it should be if you're gonna take uh younger viewers to it and i do think um the sentimental part i'm a sucker for the heart like when the the avengers uh, always got me because of the heart and the humor because they assembled. Yeah, right. That snappy banter that they all have. And this one, the they really gel. The group really gels and they come together for Rocket because he has a big story. I think Chris Pratt's probably the weakest link of all of them in this. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Is he's he not still the, the leader. Oh, he's still the leader, but. I think the other parts are so much more interesting than Star-Lord. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to go on record as saying that. I think he's the, uh, this is, I think, the most colorless we've probably seen him. Because, you know, he has that swagger and that bravado that uh, he's just once ahead. But there's some nice little developments, I think. 
but he is uh he's so upset about Gamora's demise at the hands of her stepfather Thanos Thanos that uh he's a mess Thanos. when the when the movie starts and uh because that's all... not his Gamora that's a different Gamora yeah so it's it it'll make your which head hurt. if you remember they were looking for Gamora because it's not the same because she left yes and all right uh, I, don't tell me anymore because you're gonna you're gonna accidentally reveal something no I, I I'm trying hard not to because I think that's the pleasure of watching it is to see what happens and to see uh, what develops with these characters. If you like these characters, I think you will be satisfied by much of it. But yeah. I just think it's, I don't know. I just, I had a hard time reconciling some of the really gruesome parts with the humorous parts. I think that's is my wife going to like this or is she going to say, ew? She might say, ooh. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how her tolerance for for ickiness. She might just not watch that part. Yeah. All right, Lynn. Well, then I'm going to see it tomorrow. I'll tell you my thoughts next week. Did you see anything else this week, Lynn? I uh, uh, saw White House Plumbers, the first episode. It's oh. a five-part limited series on... HBO starring Woody Harrelson as E. Howard Hunt and Justin Thoreau as G. Gordon Liddy. And it is a kind of a fictional version of these because we don't really know what was on the inside that much. I mean, of course, we have the trials and they were sent to prison and Nixon resigned and we know that but this is from their point of view. It starts with uh, their um, getting hired by the White House to do this stuff. Domhnall Gleeson plays John Dean. Rich Summer mm -hmm. from Mad Men is a contact. Judy Greer plays a G. Gordon Liddy's wife. And uh, Lena Hetty from Game of Thrones plays... Uh, e. e. Howard Hunt's one. But what it does show you is how crazy those two were. But yeah. it's more it's more like the gang that couldn't shoot straight. They are so bumbling idiots and they're so obsessed with uh, protecting the nation from communism and getting Nixon reelected that they have a very weird filter to look through the world in, but it's, it's humorous. It's played for, uh, I think it's played for laughs. It's not played for seriousness, like all the president's men and a lot of these things are, but it's fun. I'm looking forward to seeing the other four. I think Justin Theroux fares better. Woody's more of a caricature. Caricature, yeah, yeah. He's more affected and and flamboyant, but they're both every anything you know about G. Gordon Liddy and E. Howard Hunt. Whoa, 
And if you don't well, know, this is a good starting point. Well, they're supposed to be making they're trying to uh, have a revisionist history where these guys were just inept rather than good at what they did. But they, they did get caught. Yeah, but they yeah, they're making they, they're making this very serious issue into a comedy. Yeah, they're inept and they're also sinister. You, know. you can be both. Yes. So um, that part is uh, interesting. We'll see where it goes. You know, it's only one episode and there's there's a lot coming out. Uh, Max is uh, HBO Max becomes Max. On May 23rd, right. they got all this content right before the writer's strike. Well, speaking of content, Carl, the writer's strike is going to really affect Things. The things you like, you yeah. like watching late night shows and you like Saturday Night Live. So these are things that you are going to be affected. Yes. Well, uh, yes, for sure. And also um, this will head people to the libraries of the streaming content. And interesting, some of the big movies we've talked about this spring are going to streaming air. That's in my top 10 is going to be on Amazon Prime for subscribers May 12th because my sister said, oh, I'll probably be 20 bucks. And I said, no, it's for subscribers. All right. Well, good. May 12th that I my wife really wants to see that. So we will watch it. Yeah. She also really wants to see jury duty. So we're going to watch that on I, Amazon also. I know. I hear great things about that. James Marsden. Uh, plays himself a version of himself in this jury right. duty, but it's like the office meets one of those judge Judy type of shows, right? Is that a correct description? No, no. Okay. The, this everyone at the at the trial no is an actor except for one guy, and this one guy is told that he is that they're filming a documentary on the judicial system. So the cameras are all there and they do confessionals and they do all these things, but it is a comedy because everybody except one person knows that it's not real. So it's eight episodes. It's on Amazon's freebie, which is fast, which is free ad supported television. So you can access it through Amazon Prime. Oh, well, the um, uh, what was uh, the the streaming that we're going to have in the next month are some of the movies that uh, I've talked about somewhere in Queens. John mm -hmm. Wick is coming to video. And oh, by the way, the, the Skyview lineup this week, because you're always talking about the weird the weird double feature. They've changed it. They've changed it this week. So it's it actually makes much more sense than they than it was. Oh. Yeah, this week is uh this week is Super Mario Brothers followed by Are You There God It's Me Margaret and then the other ones has the two Marvel movies. It has uh Guardians 3 and Quantumania. Ah well, I'm excited uh, to see what 
the reaction is to if Margaret builds more because it didn't do well its first weekend at the box office. That doesn't mean anything about success of a film, but I would think word of mouth is really strong. Hopefully it will grow. It's nothing's Guardians will be the only thing that'll knock off Super Mario Brothers. That is correct. And, and it will. It will. Guardians will be the number one movie for a while. Yeah, so we're all we're almost to the summer, Carl. Yeah. Uh the last show of the Muni C or the Muni, the last show of the Fox season, Jesus Christ Superstar, starts next week. And then they go into their their summer concerts. Well, we're gonna have a full fun lineup of summer guests, and uh we will bring Everybody, the news on the blockbusters, except you never see the Fast and Furious movie. So I'll have to I carry, I, I have made to carry a, that. I made a I made a commitment with Max that if we made if they made 10, I would see all of them. But then once they announced that there would only be 11, I said, well, then maybe I don't need to see them. And my wife says, you need to honor that. And Max and I are on the fence on whether we're going to go see them all. So. I don't know. It's it, it it seems like a waste of time to me to watch 10 movies of that garbage. Well, you know, I um you know my statement that these are written by chimps. <laughs> well, and, I and some of the people first of all people love them and second of all uh some of them are better than others. That's what I've heard. That is correct. So, so I, I'm thinking I might just keep this as a blind spot in my or it's not one it also before the eleven comes out. All right. Well, uh, locally, um, you have a big movie day tomorrow, but are you doing anything this weekend? Um I Derby Day is on Saturday and I'm gonna I'm going to a Derby party. Aha. Uh-huh. And, and so you? is the coronation of uh, King Charles. Yeah, I don't care about that. I don't either. I woke up for um, the wedding. Yeah. Diana's funeral and her boys' weddings, but I'm not getting up for this one. And yeah. uh, we have a lot of theater again because it's that time of year. And uh, Joe Hanrahan, our good buddy, is doing a one-man show, The Brightness of Leonard Pelkey. And that's at the Cranesburg Black Box. Wicked ends this weekend. The uh, West End Players Guild ends its 111th season at their stage at the Union Avenue Christian Church with an original world premiere by Vladimir Zelovinsky, who this is his fourth play that they are doing. And he was in the audience last week, Bart. It's called Finale. And it is about the opera composer Rossini. And it's for ah, Rossini. So, yeah. So, you know, he did The Barber of Seville and William Tell, among other things. So, if you think you, I mean, if you don't think you know him, you know him. You and, do. Uh, He's in Bugs Bunny cartoons. Yes. Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. And uh, so it's interesting. And then we have uh, an original play by Don Miller. That is at the chapel, and it's about uh, crazy democracy, politics, and cities, 
It's called From the Garden. And it's about his life in Maplewood. <laughs> so well, so there's original content lot of theater. Mm -hmm. at the theater that you can see this weekend if you don't if you want to get out and about and and uh you know enjoy the weather. And reservations are open for Shakespeare in the park. Woo woo. All right, Lynn, where can we find you socially? I am on all the socials, except I don't do a very good job. I'm not on Snapchat <laughs> or TikTok. And um, I think those are not going to happen. And uh, I am on KTRS radio with Jennifer and Wendy every Friday at 11.08 a.m. I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times. And I also have the website poplifestl.com. You can find me at underscore Carl, the intern on Instagram and Twitter. I post infrequently during the summer, but uh, enough to let you know what I'm doing. I'm on the radio seven days a week, Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show on 97.1 FM Talk and on the weekends for Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors on 97.1 and KMOX. All right, Lynn, have a great weekend. You have a great weekend, too. Lots happening, and enjoy, and I hope uh, your pony wins. Thanks. Take care. One last year. <laughs>